Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Find me in Genesis 1, and we're going to continue with this that we've been dealing with, anointed for authority. And, uh, you know, I, uh, when, when the Lord has you on a road of revelation, uh, the important thing is that you just, just stay on the road He puts you on. And, uh, you know, authority, you know, we, we have, uh, I remember when uh, Destiny House uh, contacted Pastor Caldwell and asked him if he would write a book on the believer's authority. And the statement he made to them, he said, well, he said, uh, uh, you know, there's so many out there. He said, Brother Hagen wrote one. Uh, you know, uh, Andrew Womack wrote one. Different people wrote one. And, uh, of course, he did, he did write it. And it was a tremendous book. But uh, my point in saying that is, especially in our circles, we hear a lot about authority. And you hear a lot of people talk about authority. I mean, you hear people talk about authority. And when they talk about it, you know they don't know anything about authority. But they're talking about it. Because it's something that, that word of faith people are supposed to discuss. We're, we're supposed to teach and preach and talk about. Well, here's the thing. If you don't understand God's idea of authority, it will color your idea of authority. A lot of people think authority is just getting. That authority is just commanding. You know, that authority is just to get stuff or to get things, or to make things go right in our life, all right? That, that, obviously, there's a part of it that is involved in that, but authority, authority is for the purpose of fulfilling the plan of God in the earth. That's the number one reason for authority. And uh, so that the church can do what they need to do. When Jesus sent the 70 out and he said, I give you authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Well, then after giving them that authority, he said, now go your way and whatever city or town or village that you come into, he said, heal all the sick that are there, cast out the devils, raise the dead. So yeah, there was authority over the devil, but there was authority to do the work of God. Jesus, as powerful as his ministry was, it was impossible for him to touch everybody. So he imparted authority, delegated authority to the 70, to the 12 and to the 70. And it says they went into every city that he was going to come into and they exercised that authority. But notice the purpose for the authority was to get the work of God accomplished. Amen. So I've got to understand God's idea of authority before I can operate 
in authority. Amen. In Genesis 1, we begin to see that man was created by God to exercise authority or dominion or rule on the earth. Man had authority as God's representative in the earth. We talked about that, I believe it was uh, uh, Wednesday night, about how uh, the Bible says God said, let us create man in our likeness and in our image. And the word image means a representative figure. All right? So when people saw Adam in the earth, they saw God's representative. All right? Well, 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 think about that. Representative. It was God represented. And that's why God gave him dominion and authority and rule was because he was the representation or the representative of God. And so in Genesis 1 and 26, we read that. God said, let us make man in our image, our likeness. Let them have dominion or rule over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over, over the cattle, over, here's the phrase, over all the earth and every creeping thing that moves upon the earth. So man was given dominion or rule over all the earth and everything that moved on the earth. Verse 28 says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, Notice, here's, here's phrases of dominion. Subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and every living thing that moves upon the earth. Hallelujah. So notice it says God blessed them. God empowered them to prosper. Hallelujah. He empowered man to prosper in the authority that he had given him. Adam's authority, we said Wednesday night, we'll touch on it briefly, was contingent upon his obedience to what God had said to him. Amen. It was contingent upon what God had said to him, which was what? Out of all the trees of the garden you can freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of that, because in the day you eat of that tree, you're going to die. Right? So, so, so there's one. Now we can look at it that way and say, well, they only had to obey one rule. That's right. Just one. Now I'm not going to ask us how many we've broken. <laughs> but they broke the one. But here's the thing. It was contingent on obedience. You have dominion. You have rule. You have authority. And, and don't eat of that tree. Authority begins where there's complete obedience. Authority for the believer begins where there's complete obedience. And we talked last Sunday. If you weren't here, you can get the CD or go online, watch it, or, or however you, you want to. Where Paul talked in uh, 1 Timothy... And he talked to uh, 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 employees and servants. And he talked there in 1 Timothy, I think it's chapter 2. And he said, uh, uh, as many of you as are servants. He said, honor your employers. Honor your masters like you do the Lord. And then verse 2 said, and for those of you that have believing masters. So verse 1 is talking about unbelieving bosses. 
And, and we said that, that there are believers that want to exercise their authority, but they have no honor for their employer. And you can't exercise authority badmouth in the place you work. Amen. I, I, I don't understand. This, this place I work, I'm telling you, work my fingers to the bone, and they don't care, and they this, and they that, and I'm telling you why. He sits up there in that office. Who's he think he is? Your boss. He's got the big desk and the big chair because he's the big cheese. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I don't agree with them. You don't have to agree with them to honor them. We talked about that as well. What if they don't honor God? Well, that's not, that's not my job is to maintain the honor principle. Amen? Now, now I'm going through that because it's, it's the same way in the home. You can't badmouth your wife and badmouth your husband and talk ugly and run them down and then expect authority to work. Brother Hagin always said, if you want a great calm, just start talking about money or marriage, and, and you'll get a great calm. Amen. Well, my husband, he just won't this, and he's just that, and he's just the other. Well, you're going to need your authority, and it's not going to work running down the head. Lord, I don't want to get off on that. that. That is the biblical structure. Rather, rather, rather it's easy to operate in or not is irrelevant. He said the husband is the head of the wife. Now, I, obviously we're not dictatorial, we're not authoritarian, or we shouldn't be. Some might be, but that, that's, that's, that's irrelevant where the principle's concerned. Amen. And, and, and if you're not falling under that authority structure, because the Bible says, wives submit to your husbands, and I've had ladies say, yeah, but it says husbands love your wife. That's not your point. That's not your part. See, there's a part that applies to you and a part that applies to him. And the part that applies to you is submit to your husband. The part that applies to him is love your wife. I don't submit where things of wrongdoing and things of that nature are concerned, but it's... it's it's a spiritual thing. You've got to understand, if you don't submit, you're not humble. If you're not humble, you're prideful. If you're prideful, you're partaking of the same fountain the devil drank out of. If I don't submit, there's no humility. If I don't submit, it's because I believe somebody owes me something. And you cannot, God cannot, nobody can be gracious to anybody that thinks they deserve it. You, you, you just can't. I, I came to a conclusion a long time ago, God, Father, everything you've done for me is all your goodness. Because the only thing I deserve was hell. I rebelled against your law, I rebelled against your plan, I rebelled against you. It was your love, according to Romans, it was the goodness of God that brought me to repentance. It was your goodness that let me see the light. I would not have even known to get saved if it wasn't for you. 
So everything, Lord, I don't deserve anything. Anything you give me, it's, it's, it's grace. It's all your love. It's all your mercy. Amen. Hallelujah. Tell you what, I just work and slave and clean, and that husband, he doesn't do anything around the house. That's irrelevant. Should he do something? Yes, he should. But see, it's, it's, it's where I'm concerned. <laughs> I, I promise I'm going to go away from this. <laughs> but you can't constantly, as my mother would say, be stirring the pot and expect things to settle down. See, that, amen. Just like you can't badmouth the government and say all kind of ugly words about the government and about the president and about the leaders and then expect authority to operate. Because that's not what the scripture says. Isn't it interesting that Jesus functioned under one of the most oppressive political governments in the world and he never mentioned it? He, he, was, he was not an activist. They wanted him to be. But he wouldn't do it. They tried to goad him into it. And what did he say? Listen, you give Caesar what belongs to Caesar and you give God what belongs to God. I'm not saying we shouldn't ever talk about politics. But that harms people's authority. The Apostle Paul, who was constantly being thrown in prison by the authorities for nothing but preaching the gospel, you never hear him railing against the authority. The most extensive information that we have in the entire Pauline epistles about political authority is how to pray for them. Amen. He said, I desire first of all that prayer, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all that are in authority, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Is that right? Yeah, but the president's this and the, the leader's this and, and blah, blah, blah. Well, well, now listen. The Bible says that you need to be cautious about speaking evil of dignitaries. Because the powers that be, they are of God. You may not like what the president does, but the office of the president is ordained by God. Amen. Amen. Tell you what, we get a Republican back in the White House, well, things will start going right. The problem with that is God isn't Republican. We, we, we need God in the mix, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican. I'm helping somebody. See, this authority that I've been given over all the earth, can be short-circuited, it can, it, can be, it can be harmed, it can be limited if I'm not viewing authority through God's lens. And authority through God's lens says if I can't submit to natural authority, I won't submit to God's authority. Oh, hallelujah. Moving right along. Genesis 3. And of course, this is where uh, Eve 
the, 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 the serpent deceived her. The devil, we could say, deceived her. But I want you to notice something. <clears throat> she entered into a conversation with the devil. That's a wrong use of words. Notice that the, the serpent came and he said to the woman, has God said, okay, right there, all kind of red flags should be going off. Has God said? Is that right? See, that's a dishonorable statement. It, we see right here, no respect for God. Hallelujah. From, from the outset, it's dishonorable. And notice, the woman answers, and you can, you can see this, uh, this uh, way of answering here. It's like this tone. The woman said, well, we can eat of the trees of the fruit of the garden. Now, she's answering these dishonorable statements, not from a position of authority, but a position of engagement engaging him in conversation. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said, you'll not surely die. Dishonorable statement number two. All right? Defying the authority of God, number two. If she said, God said, don't eat of it, and he says, it's okay, you can do it, and you won't die. That, that has to be throwing red flags up. Yeah. Amen. Or it should. Because he's saying that I can do something that the authority said don't do. Says, how does God view authority? Amen. Have, remember when you were raising your kids, or maybe you still are, and, and, and they would come and they'd say, hey, I want to do this. And you say, no, I'm not, we're not going to do that. Yeah, but Billy's mom will let him. And what, what was the answer? Uh, well, I'm not Billy's mom. I mean, really, I'm not Billy's mom. Brother Billy got it. Amen. Hallelujah. But you understand what I mean? It doesn't matter what's going on with everybody else. I'm the authority here. And instead of this raising red flags, she just keeps talking. And notice, she kept, she kept talking, notice, until the woman saw the tree was good for food. Now, wait a minute. The fact that the tree looked good for food did not change the fact that God said don't eat of it. Amen. Ever how good the opportunity is, if God said don't, it's not a good opportunity. Yeah, but you just can't miss with this. Oh, you can. You can miss big time. You can miss bigger than Dallas if you're doing something God told you not to do. Amen. And notice he said, she said, the Bible says, and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. Whew. Notice 
how it went from the tree looks good to eat, the tree looks like good fruit, to the tree will make me something. The devil's transgression in the beginning was that pride was found in him. And now she engages in conversation with him and now she's partaking of the same fruit that he ate of. And the last statement is, oh, it's going to make us wise. This will make us wise. Amen. Pride blinds. I say pride blinds. Now, now don't, don't, don't get offended at me when I say this. There are people that will sit in church, and I'll, I'll hear them. They'll just out loud. They'll finish every scripture you start. Because they know. They know. And they're not seeing what needs to be seen. They're not hearing what needs to be heard. Amen. You know, ever when somebody's behind the pulpit, whoever it is, if it's myself or Pastor Michelle or Pastor Ron or Pastor Larry or, or whoever it may be that's ministering, uh, you need to hear what they're saying. You, you need to hear what they're saying. And, and, I, and I take off my, my, my theological bifocals and I hear what's being said. Eve was so transfixed by this tree, she wasn't listening to what was being said. What's being said here in a nutshell is disobey God. Do what God told you not to do. And she's so enamored by the subtlety of the serpent. And oh man, yeah, the, the tree looks good. When, whenever what God told you not to do starts looking good, you need to back up and reevaluate what you're doing. Because if God told you not to do it and it's starting to look good, somebody else is influencing your thinking and it's not God. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, we're growing. Amen. Do, do you see this? Now notice. Mm, the end of verse 6. And she ate and gave to her husband <clears throat> with her. And he did eat. So she didn't have to call for him. <laughs> He was there. Mm. So we have two things here. She never exercised her authority. The, the Bible says in the book of Genesis that we read chapter 1, God blessed them and God gave them dominion. Is that right? She never exercised her authority. And now here's Adam who never exercised his authority. And then God said on further over in Genesis 3, He said to Adam, because you hearken to the voice of your wife. That doesn't mean we don't take advice from our wives and our wives don't have wisdom. The Bible calls wisdom a her. But it means in this instance, you knew what you should have done and what you should have not done. I told you not to eat of that tree. And you hearken to the voice of your wife. See, the enemy will try to work through a voice that you trust. 
Do, do, do you see this? He had to get this to come from somebody that Adam had a certain level of trust in. Glory. The enemy wasn't after Adam and Eve. He was after their authority. There, there's hints here in, in Genesis chapter 1 that this was the second career of earth. All right, the Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then it says in verse 2, and the earth was without form and void and darkness moved upon the face of the deep. God has never created anything without form and void. And while the Bible is not implicit about it, there, there are different scriptures that show us and, and, and I believe tell us that, that at one point earth had a first, a first career. And that Lucifer was, was the ruler and, and reigned over that earth. When you read Ezekiel and Isaiah, it, it, it shows Lucifer looking from a place below and looking up and saying, I will ascend up above the clouds. I will set my throne. So my point in saying this is at one point he had been in authority. He had lost his authority through rebellion and he was cast out of heaven. See, pride will make you rebel against authority. And, and the enemy wanted the authority back. He wasn't concerned about man and woman. He wanted the authority back. The devil wants you to rebel against what God said. He doesn't care what happens to you, good or bad. If, if, if you're blessed, that, that's not bothering him. He wants you to rebel against what God said. That's what he wanted Job to do. He wanted Job to curse God. He didn't want to kill Job. He didn't want to destroy it. I mean, that's what he does. He steals, kills, and destroys. If he gets involved, death's going to be the result. But he wanted Job to curse God. He, he worked on Adam and Eve. We don't know how long, but he worked on them long enough until they disobeyed. And when they disobeyed, they lost their authority. And everything that they had authority over began to rebel. Amen. Romans 5.19. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the time to, to look at all that because we need to see that everything that God, man's dominion in the very beginning was contingent upon their obedience. Romans chapter 5 and verse 19. And notice it says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Now the Bible could have used any word there that it wanted to use, but the Holy Spirit used the word by one man's disobedience Sin came on everybody and by one man's obedience. Two outstanding characteristics of the ministry of Jesus was his obedience to the Father and his humility. Where there's obedience, there'll be humility. Where there's humility, there'll be obedience. Where there's pride and arrogance, there'll be disobedience. Jesus humbled himself, and the Bible says he humbled himself and became obedient to the will of God. Hallelujah. So disobedience here, the word is inattention. In 
attention. Meaning that Adam was inattentive to what God had said. He didn't keep his attention on what God said. But then it says, by one man's obedience. That word obedience is attentive hearing. And it's talking about Jesus. So it says Jesus had attentive hearing to what the Father said to him. Hallelujah. He was completely absorbed in the will of the Father. We talked about it Wednesday night. He said, I did not come down from heaven to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. He said in, in John 5.30 and John 6.38, he said over and over again, I came to do what the Father wants me to do. That, that is a complete obedience to what the Father wants. And many people boil obedience to God down to sinning or not sinning. But obedience to, is doing what we see in the Word of God. That the Word of God says we should do. Hallelujah. Now with that in mind, let's look at Matthew 16. I remember one time I was uh, helping a young man with... Uh, he was having some marriage issues. And... Uh, I was talking to him about certain things, and I, and I, and I, I had a book that, that I've taught out of for a number of years. I actually taught, a, uh, my wife and I taught uh, a series of classes at a friend of ours church out of, out of, out of a certain book. And uh, I had that book, and I said, well, the first thing I want you to do, you want me to help you with your marriage, the first thing I need you to do is read this book. I need you to read this book, and I gave him certain chapters to read. And I said, you know, we'll talk about it next week. So we all got together next week. And, uh, and uh, he was talking to me about his marriage, and of course his wife was the, all the problem. You know, she was all the problem, and he, he, he was perfect. And, uh, and, and so I asked him, I said, uh, well, I said, uh, have you read the chapters I asked you to read? He said, no, I haven't done that. And people say, what would you do? I said, I, wa- I walked off. And I looked at him as I was walking off. I said, if you haven't done the last thing I told you, I can't help you. Because you're wanting me to fix this. But you haven't done this. If I'm not submitting to what God told me, I can't expect something else to work. And and what God said in His Word is His will. Amen. When you read something out of the Word and it says you can do this or you can have this, here's your job. Submit to that. If he said I can do it, I can do it. Think about that. We, we quote Philippians 4.13. You, do you know what it says? Right, let me help you. I'll start it out. I can. Oh, that, that, that's weak. That's weak. That's weak. That's weak. Say it a little louder. I can. Now stop right there and let me ask you a question. Can you? Now people will go, well, I the word says, I can, and Paul was talking in the context of being abased or being abound. He said, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. So we see a lot of things from those verses. Number one, I can do all things. Submit to that. And then I can do all things through Christ, through the anointed one and his anointing that gives me the strength. What's your job? Submit to that. Submit to that. I can. 
I, but you'll have people say, I just can't get through this. I'm at the end of my rope. I just can't. I just can't. I just can't. That is a lack of submission to the Word of God. I can do all things. See, being a Word person is not just the confessions we like. It's when you don't think you can, you pull your spirit your flesh under your spirit, and you say, yes, I can, because the Word says I can. And I'm going to submit to the Word. I know what it looks like, but submission to the Word is what's going to get me out of this, or get me through this, or bring me through it. Amen. So that's, it's doing what I see in the Word. Amen. Why, I just can't love my enemies. It's because you're not submitted to the Word. If the Word told you to love your enemies, then you submit to that and you love your enemies. Hallelujah. See, it's a submission. I'm submitting to the Word. In submission to the Word is the power to live it out. If I don't ever submit to it, the power of the Word doesn't work for some people because they don't submit to the Word. If you submit to the Word, the power of the Word comes into play. If you don't ever call things that be not as though they were, you're going to be a person that says that doesn't work. But you will never know the power of it if you don't do it. And in doing it, you're submitting to the the Word. Oh, glory to God. Think about, think about this for a moment. In, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, it, 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 it talks about children and, and, and moms and dads. And it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Is that right? Is that what it says? That's what it says, right? And it says, that it may be well with you and your days may be long upon the earth. So if I take my child and I set them down and I say, this is the word. And the Word says, if you honor me and your mom, it will go well with you. And your days will be long upon the earth. Now Susie, Johnny, Billy, Bobby, submit to that. And, and, and instead of using the Word as a tool to threaten them, I use the Word as a way of benefit. If you submit to this... It'll go good for you, and your days will be long upon the earth. But how many times have you heard parents use that as a hammer? You better honor me. Look what the Bible says. You better honor me, or you better look out. And so you got kids running away from the Word instead of submitting to the Word. I'm helping you, right? Notice Matthew 16. And verse 18, it's, it's very important. I, I remember, I remember uh, uh, raising our kids, and the, 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 the first group, and uh, our oldest daughter, she just made up her mind when she was in high school that there wasn't anything she couldn't submit to that we wanted her to do. Because her mindset was, I'm going to do whatever it takes to have a good life while I'm at home, and when I get out from under their house, I can do whatever I want. 
No, that may or may not have been a good idea. But, I mean, all through high school, we had no problem. She never rebelled. She, she never came in late. She did everything we asked her. And you know, it went well for her. She got raises and bonuses. I mean, she worked at jobs and people just loved her. She was a straight-A student. I mean, honor roll, honor society, 3.90 GPA all her whole senior year. Amen. Man, my oldest boy, he was determined to fight the system at every turn. If you said be in at 10, he's going to be there at 10, 10.05. I mean, right? Nothing went well for him. His little sister was the same way. Yeah, but they're preacher's kids. That has nothing to do with anything. But here's my point. Here's, here's my point. That's submission to the Word. Whether she knew she was doing it or not, by honoring the desires and honoring the request, she submitted to the Word, and the Word came to pass. The Bible says, if you withstand the authority, be cautious because you may be found to be withstanding God. Amen. Now notice, Matthew 16, verse 18. And I say unto you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now that's important. Gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Why, why is that important? Gates represent authority. Gates represent authority and governance. Authority and governance. All right? It's, it's, in this day and even more in, in the days uh, of the Old Testament, the, the, the governing bodies met in the gates of the cities. That's where the authority met. And notice what he says. He says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Now, now, now why is this so important? Because gates represent authority. There's a very interesting scripture in Genesis chapter 23 when Abraham had taken Isaac to Mount Moriah and offered him there. And the Lord said to him, he said, because you have done this thing and you've not withheld your son, your only son, he said, I'm going to bless you. And he said, and your seed will possess the gates of their enemies. The Bible says that you and I are the seed of Abraham. The church is the seed of Abraham. The reason the gates of hell cannot prevail against us is because that is the authority and all authority that hell had over the church and over the believer, Jesus took it away and gave it back to the people of God. The gates of hell have no authority over us. But here's the issue. The gates of hell will exercise authority over a believer if that believer doesn't exercise their authority. Because to not exercise authority is just like you're not in authority. Amen. So, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you bind shall be bound, bind, shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Mm. Notice this. What you bind 
The word is forbid. What you forbid on the earth. Now is that the master speaking? Is, is that right? Is that Jesus? I don't know what kind of Bible you have, but it's probably in red. Is that Jesus? Jesus said, I'm giving you the keys and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Is that what it says? Hallelujah. What you forbid, what you allow. Now, here's the thing. I got to submit to this. I bind it. I loose it. I forbid it. I allow it. Now, many believers have two entities that they blame for everything. God and the devil. Why'd God allow this? How could the devil do that? Yes? I don't understand. How could the devil get in? Now, if it sounds like I'm putting responsibility off on you, I am. Because there's no gray areas. Whatever you bind, whatever you bind, Whatever you lose, whatever I bind is bound in heaven. Whatever I lose is loosed in heaven. Is that right? Oh, hallelujah. I got to submit to that. And, and there, we're going to get into this in just a moment. There are things that I have to declare, you are no longer going to hinder my progress. Amen. There are things that people call attacks of the devil and they might be attacks of the devil but they could be stopped if they would exercise their authority. Amen. Glory to God. Because you know we have our religious sayings and if this is one of your sayings don't get mad at me. Well you know when God starts blessing the devil starts missing. You realize what you just did. You just loosed a mess. God never stops blessing. I am blessed of the Lord who made heaven and earth. You're blessed of the Lord. The devil messes. That's what he does. But the Bible says, what's it say in the book of, of Peter? It says that he's roaming about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Whom resists steadfast in the faith. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And he will exalt you in due season. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Is that what it says? Submit yourself therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he'll submit your... Submit yourself to the word. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. When, so when the Bible says, I have the keys, whatever I bind is bound. Whatever I loose is loosed. Is that right? Whew. See, I've got to submit to that. I've, I've, I've got to submit to it. 
Oh, glory. The authority that we've been given is for use on the earth. Authority is earthward. It affects heaven in this sense. That whatever I say on the earth is what heaven, I'll I'll say it this way, must allow. Because we can't say God gave us back all the authority that was lost and then say God will intervene. God will stop something that I have said I allow. Amen. You know, if you let your child eat chips and salsa on your white rug in your living room, Don't get upset if you come in there and there's a big splot on the middle of your rug. I told you not to spill that salsa. They're a kid. Right? Don't expect that child to do something. Amen. When I had had the authority over it. Notice this. God cannot bind... What we won't bind. I've heard people over the years. Listen, I, I've been, I've, I got saved when I was eight years old. Filled with the Holy Ghost when I was nine. I've been a full-time pastor for nearly 25 years. I've been, I've been in and around the ministry over 40 years. I'm telling you something. I've heard this all and all. Oh, I've heard this so much. God can do anything. That's a cop-out. God can do anything. But, but there's, a, there's a caveat. There's something that we have to see. God can't bind what I won't bind because He gave me the authority. God cannot lose what I won't lose. He gave me the authority. The things that He has prescribed in His Word. For instance, there are people that want to be blessed financially, but they don't want to give. There are people that want to be protected financially, but they don't want to tithe. That's out. You're not submitting to the Word. He said, give and it would be given unto you. Sow and you shall reap. Right? Tithe and the, and the windows of heaven would be open. The devourer be rebuked for your sake. If I'm not submitting to the authority of the word of God in those arenas, then there's nothing that God can do to bless me when I've not submitted to the authority of his word. Oh, hallelujah. Whew. Because God operates justly. He's given man authority and he won't violate his own authority system. Amen. The the Lord told Brother Hagin, Jesus told Brother Hagin, you remember the the vision that he had and and Jesus came and said, I'm going to teach you concerning uh, uh, demons and evil spirits. And and, uh, he was teaching him about Ephesians uh, uh, chapter uh, 6. And that little demon came out of nowhere and started jumping up and down a big, thick, black smoke screen saying, you know, yakety, yak, yak. And he couldn't hear what Jesus was saying. And he said, I was trying to get Jesus' attention. Tell him I couldn't hear what he was saying. And he said, finally, in, in, in that vision, I, I pointed my finger at that demon and I said, shut up in Jesus' name. And he, and he said, the little demon fell over whimpering. And he said, then I said, now get out of here. And he took off in Jesus' name. And he said, uh, Jesus looked at him in that vision and said, if you hadn't done something about that demon, 
I couldn't have. You remember Brother Hagin teaching? He said, I shook my ear. He said, Lord, I know I didn't hear you right. Right? But Jesus said it again. And then he showed him four New Testament scriptures. And we're not going to go to those. But he showed him four New Testament references. Because Jesus said, I won't accept any vision. I won't. Think, think about that. How, 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 how much more safe would we be as believers if somebody comes and says, I got a word for you. Or I got this or that. If we'd say, look, I'm not going to accept anything you're saying unless you can give me four scripture references. <laughs> anyway. He was talking to Jesus. He said, unless you give me four scripture references, and he did. And Jesus told him there's not one place in the New Testament or the Pauline epistles where I said I or God would ever do anything about the devil for you. And you know there's not. here's, Here's my point. I've been given the authority. People will say, well, there's nothing God can't do. There's nothing God can't do if I'll use my faith, which is directly tied to my authority. Amen. Notice Matthew 21. We're we're probably just going to have to hit pause because there's no way I can get through all this. Matthew 21, verse uh, 18. In the mornings he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only. And he said, let no fruit grow on you henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. The Roos Bible says, and he said to it, no longer shall fruit come from you. Positively, not forever. And instantly the fig tree wasted away. Now notice that. He says to it, no longer will fruit come from you. Positively, not forever. And instantly the fig tree withered away. Now, we'll look at Mark 11 in a moment. But, but, but Matthew 21, Mark 11, they are as much about our authority as they are about our faith. Because people will say, well, Jesus used his faith on that tree. Jesus used his authority on that tree. Jesus told that tree what to do. That tree was living. That tree was alive. It had green leaves. And Jesus looked at that tree and said, positively, no more fruit's going to grow from you ever. And it withered away. Is that right? Amen. See, at some point, with the, being the person that has the authority to bind and loose, there are things that I have to tell you're no longer going to hinder me. See, if I will take authority, there are things that God can start dealing with me about that I need to change. But if I won't ever take the authority, there are things that God can't talk to me about. Amen. Right? As a pastor, I'll I'll have people come, I just, I don't understand. The devil's battle in my mind. The devil's battle in my mind. The devil's battle in my mind. You have a scripture that says you have authority over your mind. You can cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. But think about it. As long as I'm focused on the battle, battle in my mind, battle in my mind, the devil's battle in my mind, these thoughts, these thoughts, these thoughts, these thoughts, I'm not exercising my authority. 
And, and I've had people say, I prayed. I asked the Lord to help me. He didn't say that he would cast down the imaginations for you. He said you had to take control of your mind. Peter said you had to gird up the loins of your mind. Is that right? And what will be the result? And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. So when I take the authority, the peace of God shows up. When I take the authority, because I'm in charge, I have the authority. And there are things that people want God to talk to them about, but they won't take the authority. The the issue here is not Jesus mad at this tree. This wasn't Jesus having a fit because he was hungry. Or hangry. Right? This, there's no reason for the existence of this tree. You're not producing fruit. So he cursed it. Told it, you're going to die. Nobody's going to eat from you ever again. There, there are things that you've got to take the authority over. But you'll hear believers say, seem like, Every six months, this happens. Seems like every year, about this time, it happens. I've heard people say this over and over again. You know, right before something good happens, seems like the devil starts fighting. Hmm. Right before a big event, the devil starts fighting. Well, you know you got a big event. Why aren't you exercising your authority in advance? Amen. I'm telling you, you will not hinder me in this arena anymore. You have no authority over this. You are not going to hinder this in the name of Jesus. Listen, I've heard so many pastors talk about how the devil's fighting their church and the devil's fighting my church and the devil's fighting. Do you realize that you are adding your authority to the devil's fight? Nothing ever goes right. My body's just breaking down. Everything's falling apart. And people will say, well, that's a negative confession. No, that's you authorizing your body to break down. The Word of God that created the universe, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 4, we taught about it in healing school last week, that that Word is health to your body, medicine to your flesh. And when you speak the Word of God over your body, what starts happening? Healing, health, and wholeness. According to scripture. Right? But if I'm turning right around and saying, but you know, after 50, it's all downhill. Well, you know, though. (laughs) Hallelujah. I know the snow's on the roof, but there's still a fire in the furnace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. <laughs> it's not funny. No, I mean, it's humorous in a natural standpoint, but, but think about that. I'm authorizing the breakdown of my body. After, at, right? Because you say that and you look and say, oh, I'm, I'm 50, huh, 55. Amen. Hallelujah. What you bind... Is bound. 
People say, well, you can't stop aging. No, I can't stop from, I, I am increasing with age, but I won't get old. I won't fall apart. I won't, I don't have to. The scripture says I don't have to. Amen. I better move away from that. But do you, do you see this? And the disciples were marveled at it. They said, "Woo! the fig tree's withered away. And Jesus, verse 21, said, Verily I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you'll not only do what's done to this tree, but if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it'll be done. What? Jesus said, I could do that? He said we could use our authority the same way he did. If you have faith in your authority and you don't doubt the authority you have. Hallelujah. Jesus said, notice, we have to say. If you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do that which is done to this tree, but if you say to this mountain. Hallelujah. We have to use our words to convey authority. Silence is agreement. When the circumstance is trying to overwhelm you and you don't say anything, you're in agreement with what it's doing. I've had people say, well, I don't know what to say, so I'm just not going to say anything. You've got to submit to the Word and say what the Word says. Amen. Yeah, but I have pain in my body. But the Bible says Jesus carried your pain. Yeah, but I've been confessing that and it hasn't changed. But in the confession, in the declaring, you are submitting to the will of God. You're submitting to the authority of God's Word. You have carried my pain. You've carried my pain. You've carried my pain. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. When when the, the people that do not believe we can have what we say, have no revelation of their authority. Because I can have what I say because of the authority God gave me in words. When you read through the book of Genesis, there were, there were two main things that God gave man authority in. The authority of words and the authority of the seed. That's never changed. That's God's authority system. Pastor Michelle has a series called God's Authority System. The Word System. The Authority System. It's a tremendous teaching. But those things never change. God never took back the authority He gave to man. The devil stole it. And God couldn't take it back from the devil because Adam legally gave it away. But He did send Jesus to get it back as the second Adam. And then the second Adam who took it from the usurper and from the thief gave it righteously and legally to you and I. And now he expects us to use it just like he expected Adam to submit to the authority of God and not eat of that tree. When I speak to the mountain, it's just like Adam telling the devil, I'm not eating of that tree. When I don't use my authority, it's just like Adam eating the, tr- the fruit. Oh, hallelujah. Let me hurry. I got about four minutes. Really, I got more than that. But when something needs to change, we have to tell it to change. We have to tell it to change. Hallelujah. 
Notice in Mark 11. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11 and verse 23. Jesus said, Truly I say to you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be removed, be cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatsoever things you desire, and when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you'll have them. Notice, whoever will say, that's where the victory is won or lost. Whoever will say, whoever will say, whoever will say. Whoever will say to this mountain, whoever will say to this debt, whoever will say to this lack, whoever will say to this problem, be removed. Notice, you've got to tell it what to do. You've got to tell it where to go. Well, I've, I've just cast that over on the Lord. He'll handle it. It's not what he said. He didn't say whosoever will cast this mountain over onto the Lord. He said whosoever will say to this mountain. Hallelujah. Is that right? We have to believe, but we have to believe that what we say will come to pass. Notice something. He doesn't say believe that what you believe will come to pass. He said believe what you say. Not believe what you believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We believe what we say. See, I, I can't be believing if I have not been saying because there's nothing to believe well I believe the word of God if you just read the word of God you can read Philippians 419 until you're blue in the face I mean read it and know it but there's something that gets it out of the book and into your circumstance The power of the word does not get into your circumstance until you take the word in your mouth and de deliver it to your circumstance. The word of God is mouth delivered into your circumstance. Hallelujah. So Jesus said there can be a mountain there and he said you got to say something to that mountain. You got to exercise your authority over that mountain. And, and, and amen. Hallelujah. So that means that when you think about something that's causing you a problem, instead of talking about how big of a problem it is, why aren't you saying, hey, be dried up from the roots, wither, die, get out of my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, but pastor, it can't be that easy. It's just as easy as Jesus saying whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Well, I'm believing to come out of debt. Then you get all your notes and mortgages and everything you owe and you get them in your dining room table or wherever you're at and you lay hands on them and you command them to cease to exist, to dematerialize, to dry up and go away. Amen. 
And what will God do? God will begin to make a way for that to happen. But if you never tell the debt where to go, God can't open the way to help you get there. Because I have to start the process. And it starts with, Father, I want to be debt free. If that's what you're believing for, just an example. I want to be debt free. And then you exercise your authority over the debt. You don't send your house note in talking about how you'd like to be out of debt. You lay your hands on your house note and you declare your address, whatever it is, is 105 paid for Paducah or whatever it is. But it's paid for. I had a guy that had no revelation of this one time. And I was preaching this to a group of young people. And, and, and he came to me and he said, Brother, you know, and you always know when they're about to tell you you're wrong because they get a real sanctified voice. <laughs> Brother, you are uh, building these kids' hopes. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, how's that a bad thing, number one? But he said, uh, how are they ever going to own a home? If they don't finance it. How are they ever going to own a home or a car if they don't finance it? Do, do, do you think, do you think if we started teaching about authority and started teaching about uh, submitting to the will of God and the word of God when, when they're in the nursery and when they're in kids church and when they're in the student group. Do, do you think by the time they're our age that they could have some things debt free and have some... I think so. Because a, a large part of the problem with a lot of us is we got a hold of these principles of the Word of God after we were adults, after we had been religiously indoctrinated by the wrong stuff. But look where God has brought us in the short time that we've known anything about the Word. Well, I've been doing it for 50 years. I understand, but you're dealing with an eternal book. So 50 years and eternity, you haven't been doing it very long. I, I'm, neither have I. Now, now I'm, I'm, I want to hurry and get done, but I need you to see that. Amen. Well, I'm believing to pay my car off. If you're believing to pay your car off, you're going to tell it to be paid off. And you're going to go lay hands on it and call it paid off. Not a pain, paid off. Amen. I'm believing to have a college fund for my child. Where do you want them to go to college? Where do they want to go to college? How much is it going to cost? You can't believe for something that you don't know how much it is. You can't exercise authority over something that you don't know what you're exercising authority over. I exercise authority over that $175,000 or whatever it is. I exercise authority over it. I tell you to come to me in the name of Jesus. Angels set events in motion whereby that money will come to me. Amen. 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 Give me wisdom and investments. Give me insights, concepts, ideas. Amen. Help me see where to get more money from in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, glory to God. See, I'm exercising my authority. Let, let, me, let me share this with you and we'll be done. <sighs> Matthew 8, and, and I'm going to hurry here for a moment. But I, I need you to see this. You know, people say, well, you know, Pastor, you really believe that? I don't only believe it, I've seen it happen. I'm telling you like, like, the, like, like, like uh, uh, the, Luke wrote. He said, I'm telling you things I've seen. 
I'm telling you things I know. Or, or excuse me, John. He said, I'm, we haven't followed cunningly despised fables of men. I'm telling you something I heard myself. I saw it. I handled the bread of life. Yeah. Amen. I, I, I watched a little girl. Her, her, her name was Gabriella. And her family, her parents had immigrated here from El Salvador. And uh, uh, they all came to the church and, and, and they started uh, getting involved in the church. And when she showed up, she was in, uh, what, seventh grade, eighth grade, I guess. And, and she got to the point she went to school and uh, 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 was getting ready to be a senior. And she wanted to K- go to KU, Kansas University. And uh, 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 she began to believe, she began to believe that it was going to be paid for. And she got me and we got an agreement. We got an agreement about this. And, and I talk to her all the time about your paid for tuition. Amen. It's paid for in Jesus' name. And I got her saying it. It's paid for. Amen. Amen. And they talk, are you going to college next year? And she said, yes, I am. And it's paid for. Amen. And it's paid for. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I'd hear her talk to people. They say, you're going to KU? She said, yes, ma'am. And it's paid for. Amen. It's paid for. She'd tell me it's paid for. I'd say it's paid for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, who's going to college? She is. What do you got to have to go to college? Money. You got to pay to go to college. She's exercising her authority. Amen. She went to uh, uh, the registration time to register and get signed up for everything. Right? Now, now don't misunderstand me. They, they weren't just doing this like, you know, we're not prepared to do our part. It wasn't like they went and were praying in tongues in the line. Lord, hopefully they'll, we'll get this paid for. No, but they've exercised their authority. She's exercised her authority. She got there and they started looking at her records and started looking at her grades and started looking at everything that she'd been involved in. Amen. And the lady told her, she said, you know, hang on. I think we got something that'll help you. And she said, okay. God is my witness, as my eternal witness before God. I'm telling you. They came back to her. And, and long story short, they gave that girl a complete four-year full-ride scholarship to KU University. She didn't pay for anything. They said she was going to have to pay for her books and the lady went, oh, wait a minute. Hang on. No, here's something. We'll pay for your books too. Paid for everything. Full ride. Paid nothing. Housing. Everything. Paid for. Amen. Well, Pastor, that was a coincidence. No, it wasn't. You can't convince me of that. And, and that was a 17-year-old girl that got a revelation of her authority and talked it all the time. Hallelujah. It worked.